Hi, Rav Judah here with Masechet Avot, Perak Hey, Mishnah Hey. Asara Nisim Nasu Davutina Beved Hamikdash. Continuing our theme of tens, there were ten miracles that were done regularly for our ancestors in the Beved Hamikdash in the Temple in Jerusalem. The first is Lohi Pile Isha Meirach B'Sar Kodesh, that no woman who was pregnant ever miscarried upon smelling the the meat. I mean, the Beved Hamikdash was a relatively constant barbecue or had a constant barbecue smell, there was uh, meat being roasted on the Mezbeach, some of it to be completely burned as an Ola, some of it to be, you know, a Chatat or an Asham, partially to go on the Mezbeach, and partially be given to the Kohanim, who would then cook parts of it in the courtyard area and had to eat that in the courtyard. Some of it was just being cooked in Jerusalem because after parts went on the Mezbeach and parts went to the Kohanim, one could take uh, Kachim Kalim, uh, Lesser holiness, lighter holiness, uh, things like a you know a, a uh, an offering of thanks or appreciation, and take those pieces shlamim back back home, quote unquote, back to where one was staying in Jerusalem, as long as they were eaten within the confines of Jerusalem. What the meant was that there was a reasonable amount of roasted meat available at any time, and this is all a throwback to the Gemara in Yoma. The Gemara in Yoma talks about how if a woman is pregnant and the smell makes her hungry, even on Yom Kippur, you can feed her so that she won't miscarry. So here, we don't have any concern that a woman in Jerusalem on, let's say, Yom Kippur, or just in general, yet unable to eat it, because the whole issue on Yom Kippur would be that she can't, she's not allowed to eat it, ah, but she might miscarry, so let's let her eat it. Well, what happens if it's korbanot, and she can't eat that? That's meant to be burned on the Mizbeach. No problem, it was never an issue. No woman who was pregnant ever smelled the korbanot and felt that she needed to eat this or else. And that's a miracle, because, you know, why would this be any different than that? The meat itself never went bad. In other words, there are many, many korbanot being offered. And while we try to keep up with the cleanliness of the mikdash and keep things fresh, it still would have been possible that some piece of uh, sacrifice that had not yet been roasted could go bad, uh, or alternatively, that it would make the kohanim smell bad, who were who were processing all of this and shechting all of this, etc. Nope, it never made anything smell bad. In the area of the Mikdash, really in the Azara, uh, when one enters right, it's in front of the Mizbeach, in front of the altar. There's an area where the animals were shechted for korbanot, and then the pieces cut up, etc., to go on the Mizbeach, and so on. Um, one never found a fly there, even though there was a lot, you know, a lot of meat and a lot of shechita going on. One would have thought that flies would be attracted to it. Uh, granted, it was rinsed down every day. Still, there's a whole day there. Uh, there was never an issue with flies, thank God. Third miracle. Fourth, v'lo era carry the Kohen Gadol b'yom Um If a Kohen Gadol becomes Tameh, in the midst of the Yom Kippur service, there is a Skan Kohen Gadol, a backup or assistant Kohen Gadol, who is appointed. Uh, but, however, there are different forms of Tumah and ways that Kohen could become Tameh. You could touch something that is Tameh, so on and so forth. But another way is that during the, the night, if a Kohen has a seminal mission, then he would be a Balkari, he would be Tameh, going into, in the middle of Yom Kippur. And that would be a problem. So the Gemara and Yoma goes through a whole process. They used to generally try to keep the Kohen awake at night uh, and engage him with the interesting uh, Svarim of Tanakh and so on in order to uh, avoid this. Uh, but thank God it, ne- it never happened that we had to deal with that, which would have been a, a bigger issue in terms of substitution on Yom Kippur. 
There was a fire that was made to be meant to be Eish Tamid to Karal Mizbeach, a constant fire on the Mizbeach, on the altar, that was originally lit, I mean, during the opening ceremonies of the Mishkan. Uh, fire came down, it was lit, that stayed for a while, the Mishkan then uh, was out of business for a little while when the Plishtim took the Aron that was later during uh, during David's times, uh, and Shaul's times, actually even, even before they had taken the uh, the the Aaron during the times of uh, Eli, the high priest. So it was out of business for a little while, uh, for a while. But once back in the Beit HaMikdash, they lit the fire on the Mizbeach. And the idea was that every day, the fire that would burn the Korbanot came from the fire that was still there from yesterday. And the rains, even though it can rain quite heavily in Jerusalem, thank God, at times during the winter, uh, it never put out the fire. For the Onatz and the pillar of smoke that came up from the altar, as well as, by the way, from the golden altar of the incense, but this is talking about the outside altar, the outside Mizbeach of the Korbanot, always went up in a straight line. It's described as looking like a palm tree. Uh, and the, the wind was never able to disperse it. And that was a, a miracle and a sign of Hashem's presence and so on. It also made everyone, it made it visible to everyone in Jerusalem where exactly the Mikdash and the altar were. The Mikdash building was quite, quite high, but the smoke column coming from the Mizbeach let everyone know that it was there and functioning. So here are three sacrifices or, or offerings, I should say, that if the if a problem was found in them, you wouldn't be able to re- replace them either in time or at all. One of them is the Korban HaOmer. There are measures of barley that are harvested the night after, the, the night of the second night of Pesach, which in Israel is no longer a Seder evening, uh, they would go and harvest barley just outside Jerusalem and then bring it up and it was offered the next uh, the next day, the second day of Pesach. That is the Korban HaOmer. It's from then that we start counting the Omer. Um, but so that offering was offered. If they found that something was wrong with it, they wouldn't have time. They wouldn't be able to go back down and get it. Uh, that was gotten the night before. Also, the Shtehalechem, the two loaf offerings of wheat bread that were offered on Shavuot, also were baked just before. You wouldn't have time to go get it. Lechem HaPanim is the showbread that were put on the shulchan, on the, the special table with 12 slots in the Beit HaMikdash. Uh, represents Parnassah, making good living, etc. And they were baked every Friday and then swapped out on Shabbat. Uh, and so if one found that there was a problem in them, you can't bake them because it's now Shabbos. So... You'd be you'd be in trouble, and you know last week's bread was now being eaten by the Kohanim, and this week's bread now has a problem. You wouldn't have any, and there's a mitzvah to have on the table at all times, on the shulchan at all times. The people when they would come to the Beit Hamikdash would stand tzafuf. They would stand and be crowded. You know when you're standing in a crowded room and like you're kind of bending in your shoulders a little bit just to kind of fit in. So everyone standing would be crowded. But when they bowed, when it came time to bow, there was plenty of space. Now that doesn't make any sense if you if standing. When your profile is less, uh, then you shouldn't be able to uh, put your face to the floor and bow and have plenty of space. And yet, that's the way it worked. Miracle. There were never any issues with snakes or scorpions uh, damaging or hurting anyone in Yerushalayim ever, even though people come from all over. There's lots of snakes and scorpions there, probably because the city's getting so crowded, they're being a bit displaced. So they might be out and about. Uh, that's dangerous. And it's the Middle East. Nope. Never, never cause a problem. And no one ever said to anyone else, uh, you know, there's no, there's no room for me to stay over in Jerusalem. Actually, there was, there was always room, even though 
all the people were coming from all over uh, for holidays, etc., there was always room, meaning that, that room room was made, so kudos to the people of Yerushalayim, and Hashem made a miracle that there, there was never a problem. Nobody ever felt like they couldn't come to Yerushalayim because there wasn't enough space to house them.